everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Inkwell Gamers podcast. We have a pretty exciting episode planned for you all today. And so without further ado, we're just going to jump right in and talk about the fact that there were quite a few tournaments that happened over this past weekend. And so Dalton, why don't you run us through one of the two that we really wanted to talk about? Yeah, there were a couple tournaments that we wanted to uh, cover. The first one being the SCG Con Cincinnati 2K. This was a pretty interesting tournament in that there were 95 players in person, which is a pretty large in-person tournament for Lorcana being in its infancy. And one thing to really note about it is how strong Amethyst Ruby Control did. There were four copies in the top eight. So the deck that we thought might be the very best actually performed like it was the very best in this tournament. Dana, what is one thing you took away from this tournament? I actually really gravitated towards the fact that we saw kind of this emergence of Steel Amethyst. I mean, I knew we were going to see Ruby Amethyst control. I figured that we would see Amber Steel as well. And so it really surprised me that we saw a couple of different Steel Amethyst decks that did fairly well for 95 players. Yeah, so the thing about Amethyst Steel in this tournament specifically is that there has been kind of a rise of the Control Amethyst Steel decks that we see a couple of in the top eight. But the deck that is really interesting is the Amethyst Steel deck that got top four. It is a deck centered around bodyguard bounce mm -hmm. so there were just a lot of bodyguard characters protecting your arthurs and maleficent biting her times and the fact that you have the bodyguard characters and the madam mims to bounce those cards to protect them as well means that you're able to quest for a lie i think that's a really interesting take on the deck that's not something i have really seen before i've seen some amethyst steel control decks going all the way up to elsa in play so i'm not super surprised by that but the bodyguard bounce style deck is something that i didn't see coming and i'm legitimately happy to see uh, a new deck like that pop up and do really well yeah because i mean it keeps things interesting and intriguing we talked about how with set one you pretty much if you went to a tournament you're pretty much going to see the majority of just like the two decks right the Amethyst Ruby and the Steel Song and so it's nice to get some variety because obviously you don't want to play the same deck over and over again so it's pretty cool that more coming up. Yeah I hope that as we get more tournaments and larger tournaments that we see more of this kind of thing because that is going to lead to a really healthy metagame. The downside is that the boogeyman of the format the Amethyst Ruby deck still looks to be the best one and Coincidentally, that's going to really show its head in the next tournament that we're going to talk about, mm -hmm. which is the Play Lorcana 1K tournament. It had 282 players in it, and it was a tournament that was all played on Pixelborn. So it is the largest Pixelborn tournament to date, which is really exciting. What is one takeaway that you had from this tournament? So looking at the extensive list of the different archetypes. <laughs> I love the fact that we're seeing even more of a variety here. So a deck that finished in the top 32, and again, there's 280 some players. Um, there was a Amber Emerald deck, which we don't really see a lot of. 
you have an emerald steel, you have an amber ruby, which I know that you were currently working on as far as like your competitive deck that you were thinking of bringing to future tournaments. We're seeing ruby sapphire. I mean, we're seeing more of that variety that I really hoped was going to emerge. And the fact that you have such a large pool of players and a lot of this variety is frankly in the top 32, that obviously is a testament to how well that they had performed. I mean, you have a lot of these decks that are going seven and two. So of course, we also saw a bunch of Amethyst Ruby decks as well, but it's really encouraging to see that there was more than just that too. Yeah. In the top 32, there were a lot of different decks. The The big issue, though, is that seven of the top eight decks were Ruby Amethyst. So that just seems like a deck that's incredibly powerful, consistent, and it looks like it's just going to be here to stay. The really cool thing about this tournament is that just looking at the, the list of players is that I see... A couple former Magic players in there as well. So we're getting some big players from other card games into this game as well, which I think is going to be really important for the growth of it. Mm -hmm. But the deck that I want to talk about most, Dana, is the deck that got in second. Blue Steel by Matthew Petal. This deck, oh, it looks right up my alley. I mean, I love... I do love playing the Amethyst Ruby decks just right. because I think they're really challenging to play and really interesting, but I have been playing a deck very similar to this in League. Right. Yeah, you definitely have been really trying that Sapphire Steel deck, and although this is pretty similar, there are quite a few differences as well. I don't think they're necessarily going for a item deck like you are, but I think it's definitely something to be said that in the top eight, there is one emergence of a different deck other than Ruby Amethyst, and this was one of, and this was the one. So why don't you walk us through kind of some of the things that you noticed with their deck list? So the first thing is that Four Beast Tragic Hero, which is probably the best card from the new set, we're going to see a ton of that card going forward. We have the Popsicle and Flavershams. The one thing I am a little surprised to see is that there's not a whole lot of ink ramp. We have just a couple Mickey Mouse and a couple Bell. But besides that, there's no way to get ahead of your opponent in ink in the early game. And... That's something that I think is actually kind of important for this strategy, mm -hmm. but they chose to kind of negate that just to have a stronger early game with Prince Eric and Cruella DeVille. So I can appreciate where they're coming from in that sense too. Yeah, I'm really surprised. Like there's no one jump aheads, there's no Grandma Tallas. So it's interesting to see a Sapphire deck that isn't ramping. Yeah, just just a couple couple Mickeys. Couple Mickeys. Which, would you see yourself playing this kind of deck? I know that we started alluding to the fact that you are playing a Steel Sapphire deck that's different, but could you see yourself playing this one? Yeah, I think I would probably play, like if I was going to a tournament, I would probably play a deck that's a little more in the middle of the two. Okay. I don't have four beast tragic heroes of mine, mainly because we don't have them. The two that we do have, you're playing. 
(laughs) (laughs) And I really wanted to push the item theme as much as I could Mm -hmm. and just test that out. So I'm playing Maurice's instead. If I was going to a tournament, I would probably make that switch. I would also probably try to keep a lot of the ink ramp like Grammatala and I'd play all four Mickeys and uh, probably three one jump aheads as well. Mm-hmm. Just because I think that when you're trying to get up to things like Tomatoa and when you're playing Bell's Strange but Special, you really want to be able to take advantage of Bell's questing ability. You really want to be able to cast or play Tomatoa as early as you can. And when you're drawing a bunch of cards from Flavorsham and A Whole New World, you want to be able to play as many cards as you draw as possible. I think just getting a lot of ink is the best way to do that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's quite interesting because Sapphire, I feel like, has two very distinct characteristics. Sapphire is known for its items and its ramping. And I feel like this deck barely touches on either one like it doesn't take one of those two and runs with it Mm -hmm. it just has little little glimmers of it yeah yeah i mean i definitely like the item package that this deck has like i said i would probably just extend it a little bit more mainly because i want to play the ariel who's a collector combo that i'm playing in my deck currently. Yeah, let's talk about that, shall we? Because I got a <laughs> I got a bone to pick with you about that. So let's just set the picture for you guys. We're at the league this weekend, and we show up, and there were already games that were going, and so we thought, okay, we'll just sit down and just play each other for right now. Dalton whips out this item deck that he's been working so diligently at, and has been wanting to make work so badly, and I'm like, <laughs> okay. So we start playing. And I get to 19 lore, all right, 19, and Dawn's at two. And I'm thinking, Psh, I'm going to win next turn. This MFR. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. That's how angry I am. He gets 18 lore in one freaking turn. And beats me before I'm able to get my one lore needed. I was so salty, (laughs) y'all. I was like telling everybody in the room, like, do you guys want to know what he just did to me? Because I feel hurt. And yeah, I, you know what? (sighs) I'm glad to see that you're bringing your dream to fruition. But I just didn't like the fact that it was against me. <laughs> so let's talk about that deck, shall we? Yeah, that was that was a very fun game, actually, all around. Like, well, for you, I guess. I mean, it was really close the whole time. I mean, you were obviously way ahead of more, but I was just kind of setting up and biding my time, and then boom. Well, the thing is, too, I'm playing... I'm playing Emerald, so I'm playing aggressive. It's not like I'm playing Ruby Amethyst Control where I'm slower and I'm trying to get to the late game. Like, I'm playing aggressive to where I'm going as fast as I possibly can, hence 19 to 2. And then you just, boom, come out of nowhere and blindside me. I was so mad. I, it got to one point, and we can talk about it too, but... I don't know if it was this game or the next one because I wanted redemption and then you beat me again. But like you had two Tomatoas out and I'm thinking I can get rid of one. 
but there's no way I can get rid of the second one. It's always the second tomato that gets you. Yeah. I was actually, so, I mean, a nice little tidbit for you guys. The Robin Hood, where you can exert him and deal one damage to a player, I actually used that with my beast that bumped him up in strength. So I got enough strength to be able to get rid of that one Tomatoa, but like I said, it wasn't enough. But that was like a nice little strategy that you admitted to not even expecting, but it just sucked that. If I would have, if I would have been able to win because of that, I would have been super excited, but it wasn't enough. But I still felt like I just wanted to do it just to do it. Yeah, that was <laughs> like a I good knew play I was, I, sure. I knew I was gonna lose, but I'm like, I'm just gonna make, I'm just gonna go through with this and make you go through the motions. <laughs> yeah, that was a good play. I didn't, I didn't see it coming, honestly. So, so run us through your deck list for the people who are now intrigued with this infamous item deck. Okay, so. I want to talk just a little bit about why I wanted to build this deck. Yeah, for sure. And the two most important things in card games to me are card advantage and the amount of resources that you have. So the amount of ink that you have in mm -hmm. this game, the more ink you have in play, the more cards you can play. But you also have to have a way to generate a lot of card advantage in order to take advantage of the ink, right? Right. So... These are the two colors that do both of those things extremely well. Mm -hmm. uh, you have Gramatala, four of those, and four Mickeys, and three one-jump-aheads as your way to get ahead in ink. And really quick, too, before we go down the list, I want to just point out that we'll also post the link to the Dreamborn deck in the description of this episode. So if you're intrigued on, that way you don't have to necessarily go back and repeat this uh episode to try and catch what he said yeah yeah we'll just we'll just post the link but yeah so a bunch of ramp we have some removal and tinkerbell giant fairy and grab your swords yeah we also have a lot of card draw and hiram flaversham a whole new world, Maurice, Tamatoa, when you get the popsicles going, mm -hmm. Beast Smear. So there's a lot of way to take those extra resources that you're getting into your inkwell, take advantage of that. And I will say too that I don't know if this was the highest you ever got, but one of the games, I think you were up to 19 ink. Oh, I had so much ink and I still had a lot of cards in my hand too. Yeah. It, was, it, it was going pretty well. So yeah. I think the most powerful thing that you can really do in this game is to combine a whole new world with Fishbone Quill because that lets you ink all of the bad cards that your hand in your hand that normally wouldn't be inkable. Mm -hmm. It lets you empty your hand really fast so that you can, a whole new world, draw a bunch more cards, and then you can start inking extra every turn. So that... Bell Strange but Special, and then like I mentioned e earlier, here in Flaversham and Popsicle just as an additional ways to draw cards is just so good. And how I want to take advantage of having all these extra resources is kind of by having these combo turns, kind of like I had against you. So Ariel Who's a Collector isn't really that strong of a card for the most part. But it can do some ridiculous things when you pair it with Eye of the Fates, mm -hmm. right? You play an Eye of the Fates and then Ariel starts to quest for two. 
and then you play a popsicle unexert aerial if you have Maurice in play you're just drawing more cards flavorsham you know the the whole thing is just trying to be a well-oiled machine and it's probably not perfect but it is currently a lot of fun so let me ask you this what do you feel like are maybe some of the weakest cards right now and ones that you might consider dropping so currently beast smear is right on the chopping block it isn't one that you usually use its ability from because you have a lot of cards in your hand if you use that ability then you're probably losing the game and it's just a little bit more expensive of an item in your combo turns than what I want it to be. So I'd probably move to something like the Scepter that's in Sapphire. The other cards, Tinkerbell, Tiny Tactician, is just not the strongest card by itself. So I might try to move to, I don't know, maybe one of the two-drop defensive creatures like Corella or Prince Eric. But then again shifting into giant fairies really good so I might keep it yeah I was gonna say like at least with big tink I mean she's your biggest damage dealer and so I could see you keeping that shift just to be able to get her out quicker but I understand that obviously Corolla would probably also be a better cheaper threat yeah Tink is like your best card against the aggressive decks, Giant Fairy that is, so I probably want to keep in Tiny Tactician just to be able to power her out a little bit earlier. What number of uninkables are you at? Right now the deck is at 18 uninkables, which is quite a lot, but that's kind of mitigated by the fact that you have Fishbone Quills, uh, one Jump Ahead, Mickey Mouse, and Grandma Tala to give you that extra ink. And, you know, I know that there's so much discussion around how many uninkables are too much, but to be honest, I feel like you and I have always teetered around like be anywhere between like 15 to 20. That's because we're greedy. <laughs> <laughs> well, I feel like a lot of people are like, oh, no more than 15 for sure. Like, you probably want like 11 to 12. But in all honesty, you could stretch the limits pretty well. If you construct your deck the right way, you can stretch that pretty far and still do really well. I mean, when I was playing Amethyst Emerald in chapter one, you and I had several discussions about my number of uninkables because I think I was right around 18 too. And we always checked back in and I kept saying, I've really rarely come across games in which I'm in a situation that I don't have enough ink to play a character and because I, I just have too many uninkables. And so I think that's a good sign that however you constructed your deck can kind of play into how far you can get. And so I agree with you here, especially with it being a ramp deck. I mean, with all the synergies that you have going on, you got up to the point where we had like 19 ink. So... Right. I really don't think that it's an issue because clearly you were able to to conquer that. Yeah, I think the most important part of playing this deck is mulliganing. I was going to say that too. Yeah, yeah making yeah. sure you get the right hand. Yeah, you just want to get either Fishbone Quill and like Popsicle Flaversham or Fishbone Quill, A Whole New World, 
Fishbone Quill is probably your most important card because it turns all those uninkable cards that you might be stuck with into ink, and that is a really powerful effect. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, <laughs> I know that you named this deck on Dreamborn Bad But Fun, but honestly, I don't feel like you can necessarily say that it's bad anymore. I mean, we're not even just going off of one game. We're going off of several that we've played with this. And you've also played this on Pixelborn too, I'm assuming. Mm-hmm. So it has a... It's not like it's over. No, no. It does extremely powerful things. And I know this isn't the best version of the deck. I'm not sure exactly what that looks like. Like I said earlier, but that's definitely something I'm going to be working on because I just think the combination of getting just a ton of ink and then using a whole new world to break that parity when you have a lot of ink in play is absolutely broken. And I really just want to figure out the best way to do it. Yeah, you definitely dragged out your turns as long as possible, I could tell. Most people, you know, they would add to their ink, play a character or two, and then either quest or attack or whatever. But I felt like you had several turns where you were doing one thing after the other after the other because they kept feet like... You said you had a well-oiled machine and it just kept feeding into each other. So you're like, I'm going to do this with this. I'm going to do this with this. And this gets this and this makes me do this. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't (laughs) keep up, you know? So you definitely had super long turns where you were doing so many things and there was a bunch of synergy going on. Yeah, I think that's one of the most important things to do is just try to take as many game actions as you can. If you take a lot more than your opponent, then you're probably doing better things than what your opponent's doing. It's just hard to figure out how to do that and with what cards to do it with. And like I said, I'm not convinced this is the best version of this deck by any means. It's pretty decent though, I will say that. So when you were constructing this deck, did you start with trying to figure out your card draw synergies first or your item synergies first? Like where did you start from the ground up? So pretty much I knew I wanted to be a fishbone quill, a whole new world deck. And along with that, I knew I was going to play Flavorsham and Popsicle just because that is a really powerful secondary draw engine. So from there, it was just kind of trying to figure out all the other nuances of the deck. So uh, how do I want to win games? And one of the better cards at winning games is Tomatoa, just because it can quest for a lot. But also it provides some card advantage and is just a really big character on the board. Another way I wanted to win games was with Bell and Ariel, who's a collector, just trying to combo my opponents out in one turn because I have all this extra ink and I'm drawing all these cards. I thought that 10 lower turns really wouldn't be that much of a challenge if I can get to the late game and keep an aerial in play and I had an 18 more turn against you and honestly I, I could have done more if I needed to so I believe it <laughs> yeah <laughs> you well, were you were going yeah so what's another way to facilitate all these things happening just getting extra ink so then you start with Grandma Tala Mickey Mouse is an extremely good card and one jump ahead just to add a little more consistency 
we need ways to beat the aggro deck, so I wanted Tinkerbell, Giant Fairy, and Grab Your Swords, and uh, some number of Let It Goes just to beat some individually powerful cards, such as your opponent's Tomatoa or what have you, right? Mm-hmm. From there, I just added in some Maurice's because I think he's really powerful and I like the card. I'm fairly confident he's probably worse than Beast Tragic Hero, so... I'm definitely going to try him out. And there's some other cards that I I might want to try out as well. I just have to do a lot of tinkering with the numbers. But yeah, I I really just knew I wanted to play a whole new world with Fishbone Quill because I think that can be really powerful. And I know Flaversham has a lot of power to him as well. So yeah, that's kind of where I started and how I got to where it is now. So maybe this is more considered a general deck building question, but I really just wanted to use this deck to facilitate that conversation. So how do you determine which cards get the four and which ones get less? Or I guess I should say not even maybe four versus less, but like let's look at your Bell versus Tomatoa. You have two Bell and three Tomatoa. What made you decide to do two Bell instead of three bell and three tomatoa instead of two tomatoa yeah so it could be three bell and two tomatoa and i think if we had a third bell it probably would have been bell is they're kind of similar in that they're both late game finishers that provide some advantage in a different way tomatoa some card advantage bell some ink advantage and they both quest for a lot in the late game the difference is just that bell's a four cost character and that's probably why if we had a third of her i would probably play a third over the tomatoa i was just also trying to see how many tomatoas i could get away with playing Mm -hmm. because when you combo tomatoa and popsicle with maurice and flaversham you just create so much card advantage. So I was just, I was just kind of trying it out. But for those two specifically, I'd probably switch the numbers around going to a big tournament. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I always feel like it's hard when deck building. I want to start off with just making four copies of everything. And then it's hard for me to decide like, okay, I would love to have this card in my deck, but I don't know where to start mm-hmm. making my cuts. So generally, like if I know... I want to see at least one copy of a card every single game, or maybe if it's the most important card in a specific matchup, like Tinkerbell Giant Fairy is against the aggro matchups, I just want four of those because they're just really important to see. You don't need four Bell Strange but Specials because that's not necessarily your central game plan, kind of like a backup win condition, but Hiram Flaversham is one of the central game plans of the deck so i have four of them and i don't think i would cut one at any point so once you determine your engines obviously you're going to do four of that and then anything else is kind of up for negotiation it just kind of depends how you feel like if you didn't want to play as many one jump aheads maybe you want to play one one jump ahead just because you wanted that fifth two ink cost card that allows you to ramp on turn two then you could you know it just kind of depends on the the numbers that you want how consistent you want specific parts of your deck to be if you want 
you know, five of those two cost effects, then you'd play four Gramatalas, one one jump ahead. If you want more, then obviously you can play more one jump ahead. It just depends after a lot of testing where you want to be. For sure. Which is a kind of a broad answer, but that's kind of what it is. It's just putting the hours into the, the deck list. Yeah, no, that makes total sense, to be honest. And so earlier you said that if you were to compete in a tournament with a Steel Sapphire deck, it would be kind of a combination between the one that we saw in the tournament this past weekend and your item deck. So what would be that middle ground? What does that look like for you? Yeah, I think I mentioned a little bit of this earlier, is that I would just take out the Maurices and play Beast. I'd probably take out a Tomatoa to play another Bell. Uh, and from there, I might take out, like, A1 Jump Ahead, maybe, hmm, uh, maybe the Beast Mirrors, and try to add some early characters like Prince Eric or Cruella. That way, I have some other cheap plays so I don't fall behind super early. Yeah, the ability to challenge, if necessary, early yeah, in the game. absolutely, if... If they're good, then at least have that option. Because in this deck, I, I really don't have that option. It's just one jump ahead, Grimatala. Otherwise, I'm not doing a whole lot on turn two. So, yeah, I think that's definitely something I would do. Like I said, I'd want to cut Beast Smear probably anyway. And that's one of your two drops, so. Yeah, I'd want to find something that plays more to the board. Well, considering we're supposed to be getting bad weather this weekend anyway, maybe we'll just stay inside, print some proxies, and test out this deck that you're running us through oh yeah i'm gonna go to town on this one because this feels like something that can go just bigger than all the current mid-range and control decks because you're drawing more cards getting more ink doing a lot of really powerful things so i think if someone can figure this deck out then could be you it could be me. It could be you at home as <laughs> you well. You keep saying that, I feel like, in past episodes. If someone could figure this out, when we are doing our set review and talking about the item deck, and it's like, well, you're working so hard at it, you're probably going to be one of the people that who could figure it out. I will. You know, you inspired me. I'll make a video on an updated version of this deck, and mm -hmm. I'll post on YouTube. And that would be actually a good one for us to even do like a mulligan video on mm -hmm. because you did say that... Yeah, how... mulligan is the most important part. Right, for sure. And so that would also be a really cool deck to feature in one of our mulligan videos too. Yeah, absolutely. We got some, uh, got some work to do, I guess. Got some work to do. Well, if you're intrigued in Dalton's item deck, then definitely stay tuned because we'll probably use it for a couple different sources of content. And if you want to take a closer look at that deck list, like I said, I'll put the link to it in the description of this episode. But yeah, it seems like you're just right, you're right on the cusp of getting it figured out. Yeah, I need to play it against probably some more variety of decks just to just to know where the other weaknesses are. But yeah, I'm excited to, to figure it out. Yeah, unfortunately, the decks that I'm playing against you with are not the current meta. So you definitely need to try it against those decks to get a true testament as to how far this deck can go. I agree. And well, I guess you're gonna have to force me to do that. <laughs> I suppose so. <laughs> All right, guys. 
this is going to be the end of today's episode. It was a lot of fun. I hope you try out this item deck because it, it can be like a lot of work with all the different interactions, but it's just a blast to play because you're just doing things that other people can't do, and I like that. Yep, really annoying. Exactly. <laughs> Seeing it firsthand. <laughs> <laughs> Says the Emerald Bell player. I have one copy of her. <laughs> That's fair. One. For now, for now. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> I'm going on TCG Player right now. I'm buying more. <laughs> fair enough. All right, guys. Have a wonderful weekend. Stay safe if you're in the cold parts of the country right now because it's about to be real cold. Yeah, there were actually tornadoes in other parts of the country earlier this week, too. So we got Oof. some extreme weather just all around. All right, guys. Stay safe and have a wonderful day.